number nine, the podcast. I'm your host, Jessie Cox, and today we're going to be talking about weaning your baby with nutritionist, Dr. Janet Aylott. Janet, thank you so much for coming today. We are so blessed to have you here. Talk to me a bit about weaning, like when should we start weaning our babies? Oh, hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Uh, weaning is always the question that I get asked all the time. Yeah. When should I wean my baby? How should I wean my baby? How can I make sure I'm doing it properly? Um, and as parents, we're always feeling guilty and worried oh, and concerned yeah. about what we're doing, whether we're doing it right. With weaning, um, it's all about finding the right time for you and your baby. All babies are different. So mm. what's right for one baby might not be right for another. There are guidelines in place. So the Department of Health recommends weaning around six months of age, but it's going to depend very much on your baby, whether they're ready for it, whether they're sitting up, whether they're able to swallow properly, whether they're looking interested in food. So are they grabbing things from your plate? Are they trying to put your hair in their mouth? All of those things are signs that perhaps they might be ready for weaning. That's so interesting because I was always taught that it was like from six months. So the minute they're six months, I remember working out in my calendar, like exactly when are they six months and then trying to launch them into weaning. So is, is it more that you're looking at signs whether they're ready rather than a specific age? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of both really. Yeah. So we need guidance in place, obviously, because we want to make sure that babies aren't weaned too early and they're also not weaned too late. So when I talk about babies being individual, you're looking for those signs, but you're also looking around that six months. And yeah. it's, it's a very loose term, which can cause confusion. So the advice is that um, babies who are ready can be weaned before six months, yeah. um, but all babies should be weaned from six months. Yeah. Um, so you shouldn't leave it too late. And um, what's the da- what's the dangers of leaving it too late? So if you leave weaning too late, um, obviously the baby's dependent on a milk diet, whether right. that's breast milk or formula milk. Yeah. Um, and from six months of age, you start to you need to start thinking about introducing um, different nutrients, different textures, different tastes into baby's diet. Yeah. Because the way that their speech and language develops, um, the way that their 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 physical development progresses is dependent on the way that their mouth develops. So, right. you know, the food that you're putting in their mouth can actually impact all of those things. Um, so they ha- they need to start having solid textures to start that next stage of development. Yeah. And is there, um, you were talking to me earlier, just before we started recording about some babies being very small or some babies being very big. Should you take into account like how quickly your child's growing or if they're slightly behind in terms of like percentiles and absolutely and you should always take the lead from your health professional so if you're under a health visitor um, or your GP and if they're giving you guidance around this but as a general rule as a mum or a dad you know when your baby um, is developing you know when they might be ready for the next stage so the important things to remember are that the baby's able to sit up by themselves yeah um, obviously you would never start to wean if they're still lying um, lying down yeah, because of the good dangers idea. of choking yeah. they they should be able to um lose that sort of tongue thrust when you see in very young babies where they they push stuff out of their mouth yeah so you should start to see that disappearing and that's a, another good sign that baby might be ready and that they're interested so all of those things taken into account, um, as I was saying to you earlier, if you've got a you know a real strapping five month, five and a half month old um, boy, it could be a girl. It doesn't it, it's yeah. gender specific, but boys tend to grow quicker yeah. and, and be hungrier. Um, you might find that they they wean quicker than a very petite, tiny 
um, baby who is maybe preterm, for example. So yeah. it's all about finding the right time for you and getting the right advice at the right stage. Because there is that sort of feeling as a mum, isn't it, that if you get, once you get them weaned, they'll sleep through. And I don't know if that's a bit of a myth, really, because I know a lot of, like, I felt the same with my son who didn't, he woke up every hour and a half forever. And you get to that point where you think, oh, just get him his belly full and then he'll sleep. It doesn't always Unfortunately, it doesn't always work like that. And babies are a law unto themselves, as I think most of us will know. Amazing. Um, So, yeah, there is some some evidence to show that starting solid food can help with sleep patterns. Yeah. Um, However, it's not going to be the magic cure that many people look for. And it's the weaning process is most important in terms of widening that nutrient profile, developing different textures. So you shouldn't be weaning just to get a baby to sleep. Um, And that's the danger if you do it too early. Um, Mm. So I think a lot of babies go through phases around three to four months where they might start waking in the night. And in days gone by, when my kids were younger, then you would be advised to wean at three or four months. But that's not the case now. The evidence shows that that's too early. So leaving it a little bit later is is really, really important. And there are other things you can do in terms of sleep patterns, in terms of perhaps they maybe need more milk. um, They maybe need feeding more regularly during the day Mm. to prevent that night waking. But it's perfectly normal for a baby to wake at night as horrendous as it feels at the time (laughs) Um, and and anyone who tells you that their baby doesn't wake up at night is is in the minority so I think you know don't feel worried about the fact your baby's waking at night obviously if it's if it's progressing longer once you start weaning and once you start having um, a more varied diet and the baby's eating more then then perhaps it's something to look at but when they're very young it's perfectly natural for them to yeah. wake up in the night. And it's such a guessing game with the whole night. I'm doing a sleep podcast in a, in a couple of weeks, but it's such a it's such a guessing game anyway, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And you can feel like weaning's like the magic key, but it's not. But it's not, unfortunately not. It's, it's another process in the development of your child. So something to definitely um, take on board when the baby's ready, but not something that should be seen as a cure-all for, for waking at night, unfortunately. So sad, really. Because wouldn't it be amazing to shove some food in their face and they fall asleep? Um, And there's a lot of debate at the minute over which type of weaning. And it's it's really interesting to me because since I had my daughter, it was only like two and a half years ago, and then my son, which is like a year ago, um, it seems that the it's fashions come and go don't they like now it's really fashionable to have baby led weaning there's a lot of mums that I've spoken to recently that are really you know advocates for it um but when I was having my little girl it it was the baby weaning led thing was a you know kind of poo-pooed a bit what in your opinion what do you think is the best type of weaning to start with your baby so I'm going to give a similar answer, really, that it's really dependent on you and your baby. Um, yeah. There is no method of weaning that is proven to be better than the other. Right, OK, interesting. Um, traditional methods of weaning, so starting with purees, moving on to lumpier foods, moving on to um, more textured foods, um, is one way. Yeah. And baby-led weaning, which is um, using very soft finger foods and the baby choosing their foods, is another method. Neither method is better. Um, It depends on you as an individual. It depends on the baby. There is more evidence behind spoon-led weaning because it's it's been around for longer. Um, As you said, baby-led weaning is is something that's become more more fashionable and more um, used in in later years. But both methods are equally as good. Um, It will depend on the baby. It will depend on the way they're able to chew food, how they're to swallow um, some people are a bit anxious about choking with baby led weaning. Yeah. 
Um, so it's important to have very soft food. Um, with the with spoon-fed weaning, it's less messy in theory, yeah. um, because baby baby lid weaning, obviously you're, the baby's feeding themselves. Just throwing it will food over their the shoulders, yeah. Exactly. So you have to be prepared for that as a parent. And if you're if you're somebody who doesn't like a lot of mess, then baby lid weaning probably isn't for you. As a parent, you feel like everything's your fault. And if you have a fussy eater later in life, I know a lot of people can look at the weaning process and think, well, did I do it wrong? Should I, whatever the one I did, should I have done it the other way? Is there any link to between fussy eaters and, and the weaning process? No, as, as a parent, as you say, you always feel guilty. Oh. You always think you've done something wrong. But no, there's no evidence to show that the way that a baby is weaned, so whether you choose baby-led weaning or traditional methods, has any link to what happens in terms of fussy eating. Yeah. Fussy eating is something we'll discuss in another podcast, but, you know, it is there is no rhyme or reason to it often. And yeah. We don't really understand why it happens. And there's many different factors. So weaning may be part of it, um, but it's not going to be the method you choose. Yeah. The most important thing with weaning is that you you find the right method for you and your baby, that you you follow a, a pattern, so you introduce foods, you have a wide range of foods, um, and that you're you're really relaxed when you're doing it. Yeah. And how long should the weaning process take? Because it felt for me like I was doing it forever. Um, but I do remember coming to see you at number nine and you said, Jessie, she's like nearly seven months, get on with it. <laughs> yeah. So how long should it really be taking? Yeah, so it's something, we, the weaning, weaning means weaning from a milk-based diet to a food-based diet. Yeah. That's what it means. Um, and it's not something you do overnight. Yeah. So you, you start with a, a baby that's around six months of age that is a fully milk-fed baby, whether yeah. it's breast milk or formula milk. And by 12 months of age, yeah. you want that to have swapped and yeah. you want it to be a, a fully food-based diet with milk still being part of that if, if that's what you choose. Yeah. Um, that's really important. So the process can take up to six months. Yeah. Um, but the, the very initial stages is like quite a quick process. Yeah. The, yeah, okay. And the later you start it, the quicker you sort of think about how, you, how you're going to introduce mm. foods. So we'd normally say, um, starting with one, one taste of, of, of solid food per day, whether yeah. that's baby-led or pureed food. Um, and it, at the very beginning, it's really, really small amounts. So yeah. you're feeding the full milk feeds, all the milk feeds that you would normally feed, and you're introducing small tastes of yeah. solid foods. And one thing I would say is really important is to try and start with more bitter foods. Um, oh, so, so there's interesting. A, yeah. like baby porridge is really sweet, exactly. isn't it? It almost tastes like yeah. milk. So babies have this, this innate preference for sweet foods. So if you think about breast milk, it's a very sweet yeah. tasting um, milk. Um, so babies will will gravitate towards sweeter foods. So if you start weaning with with fruit purees, for example, baby yeah. porridges that are sweet, it's much more difficult then to introduce those bitter tasting vegetables. Yeah. So there's some really interesting research now going on looking at how we can wean with things like broccoli, cauliflower, avocado as the first foods wow. to really train babies to, to like those tastes because we have this innate um, dislike of bitter tasting foods. And there's lots of pictures. You can you can see pictures all over the internet of babies pulling these horrible faces when they're yeah. given things like broccoli. 
Um, and there's actually research now which shows that even what we eat as when we're pregnant can have an impact on what a baby will like and dislike. Well, that so, explains why my children only want lollipops, then, let's be honest. <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So if I definitely big, just ate all the sweets. <laughs> if you're a big fan of broccoli when you're pregnant, then it's more likely your baby will like the taste. Wow. So it's it's not just about when you eat or how you eat, it's what you eat as well. It's really important. Yeah, I definitely didn't do that. I just went straight to baby porridge and few which is Which is perfectly natural and perfectly yeah. um, understandable because that's really, I think a lot of the the information out there tells us to do that, to yeah. start with baby porridge. And certainly when I weaned my babies a long time ago, that was that was the method. It was baby porridge, banana, apple, carrot, sweet potato. Yeah. But if you think all of those foods are very sweet, yeah. by the time you then introduce those bitter vegetables, they've already got that dislike. So interesting, Janet. Talk to me a bit about the kind of choking thing, because it can be really frightening for parents, can't it? Like, does that mean your child's not ready or you've got the wrong? Is that just a natural response? It's a perfectly natural response. So it's called the gag reflex. Mm. Um, and it tends to disappear around six months of age, which is quite handy because that's yeah. obviously the time we start weaning. But it's perfectly natural and normal for a baby to gag or have a reflex where the food comes back up again. Yeah. Um, when we need to obviously be concerned is if that is choking, and that would tend to be probably further down the line when you're starting to give lumpier foods. Yeah. Um, but it's perfectly normal for that gag reflex to happen. Um, and that's that's really why we start with the very soft foods. Mm. So whether it's baby-led weaning with very, very soft vegetables or the pureed or slightly lumpier foods. And would you always, like, continue to cut things like grapes right up until they're, like, a certain age? Absolutely. So things like grapes, cherry tomatoes... Anything that's that's spherical that could get stuck in a baby's throat needs to be chopped up small until probably even five years of age. Oh, um, wow. Just to ensure that, that that doesn't happen. And there obviously have been cases where choking has occurred with, with certain foods. So whether you're at home or, or the child's at nursery, that's something that's really important that we make sure that we chop up very um, foods that could cause choking. Mm. It's less likely to happen when you're, you're in the early stages of weaning and probably more likely to happen when baby's a little bit older. Isn't that interesting? Because you get to the point where at a certain age you think, ah, they're fine because we've done it. Yeah. You can get a bit... Palazzo. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's often when, when things may go wrong. So it's important to still yeah. ensure, certainly up to 12 months of age, but obviously even further than that, that you're still making sure the texture of the food is appropriate for the baby's age. It's hard to know, isn't it, really? Because you don't like, you're not given a chart no. of like what you should be. No. And that's, you know, it's such an individual thing. And mm. you will get, you know, some mums will say, oh, my baby's eating, you know, roast dinners at, at eight Oh, months. I had a friend says she was eating duck. Yeah. It's like, that's interesting. And then other babies who are still on purees at, yeah. at nine, 10 months. So it depends very much on, on your baby. The important thing is to progress and develop. Yeah. Um, so don't stick with the same thing. So when yeah. a baby is, is ready to move on to a new food or a new texture, then do it. And is there any merit in like doing home cooking versus just picking up a pouch from the supermarket? Obviously, home cooked food is is the gold standard. There's yeah. no denying that. However, um, shop bought commercial foods are they have very strict guidelines in, t- in terms of what they can and can't put in the products. Yeah. So if you are using pouches or jars. Um, then that's absolutely fine. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. You can, you can't you? Especially when you've got a second guilty. one, like the first yeah. one, you're like, I'm going to cook it all my thumb. It's all yeah. going to be organic. The second one, you're like, yeah. I'm just going to pick up a jar. But commercial baby food is, um, as I said, it's, it's well-regulated. It's, it's, it serves a purpose. Yeah. So if you are a busy mum, 
and you find that having a pouch for tea a couple of days a week works for you, then that's absolutely fine. You shouldn't feel guilty about it. But if you can, batch cook, pre-prepare, put little ice cubes in the freezer, all of those things can help with the weaning process because making everything fresh when baby's ready to eat is not always appropriate or easy to do. Yeah, especially if you're a busy working mum or if you're just at home with loads of kids. It can be really confusing about milk and when you should start cutting down these milk. There's lots of different um, advice out there. What should you be doing? How do you cut back this this regular milk feed? Yeah, really good question because that's something that I get asked all the time. You know, yeah. how do I how do I swap from a milk based diet to a food based diet? And that's what the weaning process is all about. Yeah. So you have to remember that. Um, the most important thing when you're weaning is to make sure the baby's getting enough of everything, enough nutrition, enough vitamins, enough minerals. Yeah. So milk is still a very important element of that. So up to six months of age, you're looking around 600 ml of milk a day. If you're feeding yeah. formula, obviously breastfeeding on demand, um, it will depend on the on the baby. Yeah. Um, that should stay the same as baby is weaned initially. Yeah. So from seven to nine months until you get up to three meals a day, yeah. it should still be around 600 mils of milk. Right. So that might be, um, you know, on waking, it might be after lunch, it might be after tea, it might be at bedtime. Yeah. So around four milk feeds a day yeah. plus three meals. Yeah. Okay. And when I say meals, we're not giving, you know, full plates of dinner. Yeah. These are small amounts of food. Yeah. But getting into the routine of having a breakfast, a lunch and a tea, for mm. example, and, and working your milk feeds around that. One thing that's really important when you're weaning and when you're giving solid food is that baby's not hugely hungry and stressed or tired when you're trying right. to give that food. That's really interesting, Jenna. Yeah. So if if you find that actually giving some milk before the solid food helps your baby to be relaxed and to be otherwise alert. they're shoving it in their mouth and getting cross, exactly. it's not getting or in they fall asleep in the bowl of food. So, <laughs> yeah, all of those things are really important. So the timing of your milk feeds and your solid foods yeah. is really important too. Um, the other thing you don't want to do is to give the milk, the full milk feed just before you give them solid food because they won't want it because they won't be hungry. Yeah. Um, so it's finding the timing. Yeah. When you move then further down the line, so maybe 10 to 12 months, baby yeah. will be on three full meals a day. Um, you can cut down, maybe cut down one or two of those milk feeds during yeah. the day. So you might be have, might have milk on waking and milk at bedtime and then maybe one more during the day. Yeah. Um, and then as they progress even further, you can cut out that that during the day feed and perhaps they just have milk in the morning and nighttime. So is there a point, <laughs> is there a certain age where you, they really shouldn't be having milk? Absolutely not. No, milk is milk is something that we should all be having. Milk is a, a superfood in a way. It's a wonder food. It contains loads of really good nutrients, protein, yeah. vitamins, all sorts of things. But it's about the volume that you have. So yeah. from 12 months, babies can have cow's milk or yeah. a milk alternative, depending um, if you're if they have an allergy or if yeah. they're a vegetarian, for example. Um, so from 12 months, you can continue to breastfeed or you can give cow's milk as their, as their main drink. But at that point, you might want to think about giving it in a cup rather than the bottle. Yeah, I definitely made a mistake that with that. With my little girl, I yeah. kept the bottles, yeah. and now trying to get them off her is and that's a again a really common yeah common thing. That Should have just gone straight yeah. to the beaker. But it's yeah. it's it's often babies find comfort in in bottles or in breastfeeding, depending on on how they're being fed. Um, so it's taking away that security blanket in a way. But yeah. trying to do trying to move to a cup as early as possible is really really important. So yeah. from seven to eight months, you can start introducing milk in a cup. It doesn't have to be in a bottle. 
um, and in free flow cup as well. So mm. all of those things are all errors that we've all made. Oh gosh, um, if you could go back and do absolutely. it again. Yeah, but you can't. Um, yeah. Um, and dietary requirements, like what do parents do if they want their children to be vegetarian or vegan? Is Do you have to up certain other foods to compensate for that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's all about, again, making sure you have the right nutrients for your baby. If you're planning on weaning your baby to be vegetarian or vegan, then the most important thing is to get the right advice. So yeah. make sure you're looking up advice on the NHS website or talking to your GP or dietitian to ensure you're doing it properly. Um, vegetarian is is slightly easier than vegan because vegetarian um, babies could be, you can include things like milk and cheese, yeah. and eggs, which are really good in terms of protein sources. Yeah. If you're completely vegan, then you need to think a bit more carefully about those substitutes to make sure that the baby's getting enough. Yeah. Um, and making sure that you're not missing out on really important nutrients like iron, for example. Yeah, not easy, is it? It's not easy at all. And, no. and we also have to think about religious um, beliefs as well. So yeah. Some babies are weaned with halal diets or kosher diets, for example. So finding the, the right types of foods maybe family foods that can be given to a baby is is vital as well and that babies aren't given foods that are inappropriate for them too early on. Yeah. And is there anything that, that you see like as a common mistake that people make in weaning that you get questioned a lot? Is there any like pitfalls that we can avoid? I think one of the, one of the key things is that people maybe take things a little bit too slowly. Um, right, so I think moving on up the stages as not as quickly as possible, but as, as you feel comfortable is really important. So making sure those textures are getting thicker, you're having lumps in your food, you're mm. having a really good variety of different foods. It's very easy to, to you know, make, make a massive batch of carrot puree, for example. Oh, and just having that for the next three exactly. weeks. Yeah. So that's, that is a, a mistake that people often yeah. make. So it's about introducing those new foods, making sure there's a variety, tastes and textures and moving up the scale as quickly as you can. So that by 10 to 12 months, baby is eating almost what you're eating. Yeah. Um, perfectly okay for baby to have family foods, obviously without any salt added um, and at the right texture. But it's it's fine to start making smaller meals for baby that you're making for yourselves. And is there any foods that you should absolutely avoid, shouldn't give them until they're older? I think honey is yeah, one of Honey them, should be avoided um, under one year of age because of the risk of botulism, which is a not very nice thing, obviously, yeah, to obviously, happen. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, we would re- not recommend whole nuts, obviously, yeah. for very young children because of choking. Um, but most other things is okay. Uh, I yeah. think people are often worried about introducing some of the allergens into babies' diets. But yeah. There's a lot more evidence now to show that actually having those allergens in the diet as early as possible can actually help in terms of building up a tolerance and reducing mm. the risk of developing allergies later in life. Obviously led by your family history and if any reactions take place. But that's really, really yeah. important to try and have this... I talk, we keep talking about variety and having a wide variety, but the more variety you have in your diet as a baby, the more likely you are then to go on to have a wide variety as a toddler, as a child and as an adult. Mm. Because my daughter had a reaction to eggs. It can be really frightening, can't it? Really? Yeah, it's very frightening. Yeah. But also it's very, it's quite common. Um, Is it? So particularly with egg and milk with, with young babies. Um, but obviously seeking the right advice and making sure that that doesn't happen again is really important. Mm. 
Fantastic. And you talked about um, a dietitian. Is that if you've got some concerns, is that the first place people should be going to? No. So your first port of call would be your health visitor or your GP. Yeah. Um, and they would be the the, the initial point of call. Um, you would have to be referred on to a dietitian. Um, yeah. And that would be in a in a hospital or community-based setting. But that would only happen in, in more severe cases. So if, you, if, for example, your baby's been diagnosed with an allergy or if there are any issues around um, swallowing or not being able to feed properly, that might then be referred on. But your initial point of call would be your health visitor or your GP. And how would you know if your child's got an allergy? Like, what's the, are there any signs to... Other than, I mean, my daughter just exploded. Her face just went completely in blotches. Yeah. And I could see it was very obvious. But with, like, a milk allergy or, you know, lactose allergy, what are the signs that you would think? Yeah, so it depends whether a child has an allergy or an intolerance. So they're quite different. Okay. Um, so an intolerance can be... Um, Signs might be things like tummy problems, diarrhea, um, possible skin problems, um, mm. maybe not wanting to feed. So often babies who have lactose intolerance, for example, might find that actually drinking the milk can cause them upset and, and pain. So yeah. they might refuse feeds. Um, and that's quite different to an allergy where there's an immediate reaction like with your daughter. Yeah. Um, how do you know if your baby's going to have... We, that's the yeah. you know sixty four million dollar question. We just don't know. Um, there are some children are more susceptible to allergies because parents might have allergies, for example, um, and then parents may be given advice on how to reduce the risk of their baby developing allergies. Yeah. Um, but for most people, it can happen without any any warning. Yeah. Um, and that's why we have to be very diligent when we're weaning to make sure that when you're introducing new foods, you know what you're giving your baby as well. Yeah. I think. Um, I think you said to me a long time ago that it's good to introduce one new food at a time so that if they do have a reaction, you know what it was. Absolutely, yeah. That's really key. So yeah. particularly in the, in the beginning um, and when you're starting to introduce new foods, doing one food at a time is, is really important. So as they get older, you'll be able to start mixing those ingredients. But particularly for the major allergens that we know about, things like milk, egg, um, nuts, for mm. example, introducing them one at a time is, is really important because you might get that immediate reaction and you know straight away what it is. Mm. If it's an intolerance that maybe is rumbling in the background and you're not really sure what's causing it, it's much more difficult to pinpoint. Yeah. I mean, it, the, it depends on the reaction, but I think, you know, some children will will just vomit everywhere and, and that will, will be it. They'll be fine. Other children that might turn into breathing difficulties. Um, so yeah, it's, it's important to get them checked out by by a medical professional, whether that's at A&E or at your GP. So if you if your child has like a massive reaction, should is your first port of call to go to your GP surgery or if, your walking if you, clinic? If you feel that it's, yeah. it's very severe, then your first port of call would be A&E or yeah. ring 999, um, yeah. very, very severe situations. Uh, for mild reactions, maybe slight flushing of the skin or a rash, yeah. then maybe not so immediate. But the important thing is to get help when you need it. Janet, thank you so much for talking to us. You've been so helpful. And thank you for listening at home. And if you have any questions, please do get in touch. Our email address is manager at number9thenursery.co.uk. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon. Bye.